Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing on this fine evening? I'm doing pretty decently. Today, I had a really good morning. I recently invested in a pair of inline skates based off of... Inline skates? Yeah, like rollerblades, you know, um, based off of a a conversation that two other people were having on Twitter, which <laughs> rekindled my interest in roller skating. And so then I bought some roller skates on this guy's recommendation. Uh, I actually know this guy in real life. Um, which, I'd, say, I'd say we're friends. He's a, he's a podcast listener as well. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, on his recommendation, bought these skates, went out today to skate for the first time. And it was great. It was just so, so cool. So what's the, what's the experience? Because last time I did the, the I tried rollerblading was when I was like seven. So like, mm. what's it? Is it is it like ice skating now these days or what? It's like yeah, I think it's it's like ice skating but less smooth because obviously you're like on you're not on ice. <laughs> so but the ones the skates that I got are like optimized for the streets, you know the mean streets of St Albans, and so it's kind of smoother on. It, it's not terrible on like roads and things. And I found a nice quiet, fairly smooth road on which I can like practice. Um, it was just great. And I think just like starting the day with a bit of physical exercise in the outdoors when it's sunny, it just like put me in a good mood for the rest of the day. And I could, I could, I could feel like, I don't know, refreshed or something. Like I just felt, I felt lighter, you know, for the rest of the day. Oh, that's nice. What sort of stuff were you practicing on it? Uh, I was trying to learn how to do a parallel turn properly. What is a parallel turn? Don't you just turn? Uh, yeah, but there's a way to do it properly. And then once you can do that, then you can also stop properly by like spinning in a circle. Oh, cool. Rather than just like running into something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really scary because um, there's actually not that many things to run into <laughs> out in the wild. <laughs> and so at one point I was on an incline. I was going like downhill and I had like nothing around me and I had no way of stopping. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good fun. That was a, a new thing in my life. How are you? Oh, no, I'm very good. I've just had a very exhilarating kind of hour and a half yeah. because um, Sheen and I went for a little walk uh, to the local shops to get to get some supplies for the older Ramadan. Yeah. We were stocking up on porridge and oats and all that kind of stuff. And then when I got back, I was like, you know what? I could do some work or I could log into World of Warcraft and see what's going on. And I logged in and I saw that there were only like four of my guildies, guild members online. So I was like, okay, nothing's going to happen. But then I noticed one of the guild members is a warrior who had posted in our Discord a few days ago saying that he was down, like he's like very highly rated in 2v2 arena and wow. And he was saying that uh, he enjoys playing with friends. So if any guildies want him to help him out in arenas, then he'll play with them. And so I messaged him on wow being like, hey, you know, I'm a holy paladin. I'm a healer. Uh, do you want to do some arena 2v2? And he was like, yeah, sure. So we hopped on Discord and we played, I think, like 25 games. <laughs> and we ended up winning like 16 of them. And it was oh, just so God. exhilarating because it was like two 2v2 pvp style where yeah, he's like really good <laughs> and so even though i wasn't very good he was semi carrying me it was it, it was like that feeling of playing badminton doubles with someone who's really good hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Not, 
it's not that I was contributing nothing, but the fact that he was so good, like really elevated my play as well. <laughs> so right. when I get us out from like, you know, he's, we're both on 5% health and I pop the perfect abilities and we, we, we get back up or, you know, when someone dies and I feed him a finishing blow while he's like stunned or something like that. Oh, it's such a great feeling. And obviously he's doing the bulk of the work, but I get the, I get the bulk of the satisfaction. <laughs> so that was really, really, really good. It's been so long since I've had that sort of video gaming experience. I just love it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I think that I, I like the badminton doubles analogy. That's that's something. You're speaking my language. I never did too much WoW Arena stuff myself, so I, I didn't really empathize with that side of things. But that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, it was so good. Um, and then, you know, this is why we're, we, we, we were meant to record this podcast an hour ago. <laughs> I was like, look, yes, I'm in yes, the middle of arenas. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> can you allow me for an hour or so? <laughs> and, yeah, worked out really nicely. Um, before we continue... Worth uh, saying up front that this episode is brought to you by none other than Brilliant. Tamo, take it away. Why do I always do the Brilliant one? Why don't you do because it? Because you're the, you're the math guy. Come on. <laughs> All right. Brilliant is the best way to teach yourself maths, physics, or computer science online. They have a bunch of classes on a bunch of different topics. And crucially, it's not really school-style maths. It's really about actually helping you understand the concepts and you know develop the intuition rather than kind of, you know, go through the go through the process of learning some method and you know solve these 20 equations you know it's, it's not that kind of thing it's really about building understanding which i think is uh what maths is really about and so if you fancy learning maths for reals um brilliant.org forward slash not overthinking will help yeah and if you're one of the first 200 people to hit that link this week you will get 20 percent of the annual premium subscription so yeah genuinely give it a go thank you brilliant for sponsoring the episode and continuing to support this podcast Speaking of podcasts, I listened to a really good one yesterday. Um, have, do, you, do you know this guy called Tom Bilyeu? No. He's got this podcast and this sort of whole media empire called Impact Theory. He's always in the top like 10 business podcasts on iTunes. You know, it's, it's, it's the same sort of stuff as like the Tim Ferriss show kind of vibes. And I've, I'd seen him around. He's got like kind of 2 million subscribers on YouTube. So like pretty big deal overall. And I've seen, I've, seen him, I've seen him around, but never really seen any of his stuff. I just sort of lumped him in the category of, you know, self-help interview podcast. And I suppose he is in a way, but yesterday evening I was listening to an episode of the Dave Asprey podcast. Dave Asprey is this dude who's big on like biohacking and has another one of those like self-help interview podcasts where he was interviewing Tom Billy. And I was like, okay, let me find out what this Tom Billy guy's about. And he was sick. It was really, really good. Um, a lot of interesting insights. Uh, like this guy, Tom, he says the single best decision he ever made in his, in his life was marrying his wife. <laughs> and the second was like going into business with his wife. So he and his wife have been like business partners for 15 years now, something like that. Sick. So he had a lot of interesting things to say about like how to make a relationship work. And I think one thing that was good about him, and I, and I, and I think this is the mark of a good podcast guest in this sort of genre, is that they make very bold claims. Nice. Uh, and yeah. very, very large oversimplifications. Um, like, you know, the host asked him, what, what are three books you would recommend? Immediately, he said, you know, Mindset by Carol Dweck is the single most important book in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a, that's a pretty strong statement. But yeah, I can, I can get bored with that. Yeah. He said, um, he, he, he has this thing where he says something like, the single most important thought, thought process you can have, or the single most important belief anyone can have is to have a, a growth mindset. And he's just like very, very bullish on that. And just the, the, the conviction and simplicity with which he says all this stuff. Yeah. feels like oh this guy knows his stuff yeah um, and there's none of this kind of caveating and hedging and all this yeah, kind of stuff yeah, yeah. that we often do just like you know stay, say something be bold about it and everyone like I've, I've been finding this when it comes to the book book writing process as well where 
my book proposer collaborator guy and my editor keep on pushing back on me when I'm when I say that the, the, this claim feels too strong and they say that's like look when someone's reading a book they will hedge for you you don't need yeah, to hedge yeah. for them yeah. like when you make a strong claim they will you know trust trust the reader to not be to not be dumb and not take a claim at face value mm. but, yeah I thought that was that was quite interesting this uh, Tom Billy guy I'm gonna check out more of his stuff nice was there any any good insights on the relationships front yes um so one thing that was that that was very interesting was that he said that um, he and his wife, when they when they got into business together, they were like, okay, you know, he he said to his lawyers, let's make it, let's make this purely fifty fifty. Like there is, the lawyers were like, someone needs to have fifty one percent because it causes such a ball ache further down the line if it's purely fifty fifty. He was like, no, it's going to be purely fifty fifty. We we want we want this to be as entangled as possible. But crucially, he said that he and his wife got together and and they decided that okay. If there, are, if there is ever a circumstance where, despite communication, despite all the talking about it in the world, you and I have opposing viewpoints, we're going to go with my viewpoint. So Tom's, yeah, yeah. Uh, like he was going to have the deciding vote in every, every situation, given that he was like the kind of CEO guy. Yeah. And he said that that decision made upfront has solved, sort of avoided tons and tons and tons of problems over the years because everyone knows what their roles are. And even though they're 50-50, it's like, you know, he is still, he's, he's got that decision-making power. Yeah. In the domains that he, that, that he knows about, in the domains that she knows about, like execution, he, he's more the vision guy, she's more the execution person, then she has authority. But he was like, you have to write all these out in advance. And then you've got to be like, well, if there's a gray area, then who's going to decide what, you know, who's the gray area that fits in? It was, it was interesting how systematic he was and intentional about this whole relationship thing, because it can be tricky, apparently, going into business with someone that you're married to. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's also... Um common startup wisdom where you know even if you have two equal co-founders you need to agree beforehand who has the final say basically otherwise you know you're going to get into into tough spots um yeah. nice the, there were a few other things from this episode that i wrote down um so what one thing that he said which which sort of stuck with me was that um every single weekday uh if if i'm awake i'm either working or working out <laughs> <laughs> wow it's like oh okay that's a that's a lot but he was his his, his whole thing was very like it was very hustle culture but like in a nice way in that it was like, look, man, the, w- the weekend's for work and the weekend is for, for play. And I'm going to be intentional and efficient about all the things I want to do because I want to be the next Walt Disney. And that requires, you know, hustling hard and, you know, getting my team of high performers and, the, and this sort of thing. Uh, and he was like, just very unapologetic about like, you know, even even if I'm on the toilet, I'm listening to I'm listening to a podcast or audiobook. If I'm eating, I'm listening to a podcast and it's uh, unusual to hear that in 2021 where at least the people I follow on Twitter have started to push back against the, this sort of narrative. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, it's not all about that. But I, I thought there was something very inspiring about how he was like, no, I've got my vision. This is what I'm going to do. The weekends are for fun and, and the, the weekdays are purely for work and working out. That is very interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a very fashionable thing. To, <laughs> I think <laughs> saying that you work a lot is not a very fashionable thing or like uh, advocating for working a lot is, uh, yeah very unfashionable nowadays so well done something, this is something that, that elizabeth and i've been talking about recently so like in the sort of medic youtuber community of which which has swelled in its ranks in the last in the last few years there is this uh, ongoing debate like someone will post a 14 hour study with me video <laughs> and then someone on twitter will screenshot the 14 hour study with me video and saying this is wrong this is what is wrong with the world um these medics are promoting toxic productivity and it's like a b- bizarre state of affairs where on the one hand you're told to be authentic and to be the real you and if you're a medical student and a youtuber then obviously you do 
you know, obviously you hustle quite hard because it's hard to be a medical student and a YouTuber and stuff at the same time. And people tell you they want to see the real, the real you. And, but, but as soon as you say that you work or you kind of lost out on sleep because you were busy editing a video or doing an essay or something, suddenly the Twitter mob will come after you for uh, promoting bad mental health and promoting toxic productivity. And so it feels like you're allowed to be, you're, you, you're told to be the authentic self, but only if the authentic self is kind of promoting all of the ideals that uh, the Twitter mob would like to espouse yeah. like, as good work-life balance and sleeping eight hours a day and not working beyond 5 p.m. And, you know, that, that kind of vibe. That's so funny. <laughs> Have you ever received uh, accusations of promoting toxic productivity? Mm, I'm sure I have. I don't, I don't see them very often. Because if someone is, uh, if I'm being subtweeted, it's it's rare that I that that it gets back to me. Um, there was that forum uh, which I haven't checked in in several weeks. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe there was stuff around toxic productivity there, but I don't know. I don't I don't think I promote toxic productivity. Like my whole spiel is have fun, guys. <laughs> like it's all good. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I think it's. Hmm. I'm not really sure what to think on that. So the analogy that comes to mind is um i you you probably won't have seen but a few weeks ago um dwayne the rock johnson tweeted that he was a photo of himself having a uh, cupping therapy okay yeah so you're familiar so, so cupping therapy is the alternative medicine thing where you they put cups on you and you end up with these like huge ass bruises yeah, um, yeah allegedly this was something that was used by the prophet peace be upon him back in the day and stuff and so there's quite a lot of uh religious baggage associated with cupping around among some people uh, a lot of people view it as like, oh my God, this is amazing. Michael Phelps apparently does it and thinks it's amazing. Yeah. But um, so The Rock tweeted a photo of it. And one of my friends, whose name is Rohin, who has a, is, an, is another medic YouTuber. So he's like an, an actual doctor, <laughs> like, a, you, you know, uh, I think nearly consultant cardiologist. He's got a channel called Metal Life Crisis, where he does like genuinely medical topics rather than just gen generic productivity. He replied to The Rock saying... Hey, great to see that you're taking your health seriously, but I'd be careful about promoting alternative medicine that doesn't have an evidence base. And he just posted that and, you know, The Rock gets zillions of replies to his tweets. Yeah. But The Rock replied to this guy's tweet. Really? Nice. Saying something to the effect of, hey man, I'm just sharing what I was doing. No need to hate on it. Like, you know, you do you, I'll do me, that kind of thing. Uh, good good vibes all, all around, that kind yeah. of vibe. And then Rohan's point, which he replied and then made a subsequent video about was, Yes, you do you, but given that you have such a big platform, there is a level of responsibility on you to think about how the, even the stuff that you do, the stuff that you do implicitly promotes that stuff. Yeah. And if you're implicitly promoting something that doesn't have any evidence around healthcare and stuff like around, around the sort of alternative medicine thing, that could be potentially problematic. And you know, just think, think about it a little harder. Yeah. And I was thinking about that when it comes to this kind and of medic promoting. That, uh, Rob didn't reply after that. No, he didn't reply after that, sadly. Okay. Um, I think it's a good point. It's like this, the, this balance of, you know, let's say I work 18 hours a day. Is it acceptable for me to make a vlog talking about how I work 18 hours a day? Because it would promote people thinking that, oh, I should be working 18 hours a day, which is not generally the sort of advice I would want to give. Or what is that, like deontology or something where it's like <laughs> or work or Kantian ethics, where it's like uh, operate on the maximum that everyone will do the thing that you're doing. Uh, and if you'd be okay with everyone doing it, it makes it morally right. And if you wouldn't, it makes it morally wrong. It's like, if it feels like there's an element of that, which comes up against the be yourself, show your authentic, authentic self, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it is interesting. I think, uh, I mean, I think when most people think about the Twitter mob and think about this stuff, 
it sort of presented it in a way that like something has gone wrong if this is where we're ended up where like if you make a video about how you work 18 hours a day then the twitter mob goes after you and and even when you're framing this discussion right now you're framing it as if uh as if we're in some kind of failure mode here where uh where you sort of can't do you can't be your authentic self you know the, the twitter mob wants you to be your authentic self but then when you're authentic about certain things and they're, they're not a fan i mean there's also the possibility that this isn't a failure mode and and everything everything is working as intended. Like if, if people think you're doing something wrong, <laughs> they'll, they'll call you out on it and you can have a discussion about it and you can decide how to handle it. And mm. some, you know, sometimes you'll conclude actually the mob is correct and I will no longer do this thing. And sometimes you'll conclude, uh, you know, screw the mob. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to continue making these videos. And that, that seems like an, it seems like a decent state of affairs. Like people giving each other yeah. feedback, <laughs> having discussions, <laughs> like not terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not terrible. Um, I think generally the Twitter mob is less about opening up a dialogue and more about, you know, this is what is wrong with the world, subtweeting someone, not tagging them, not linking the video so they won't even know that they're being talked about necessarily yeah. unless someone be like, oh, by the way, do you realize your video was screenshotted in that tweet which then somehow got like 18,000 retweets from doctors all around the world? <laughs> like, oh, shit, okay, wow. <laughs> Like that kind of thing isn't quite in the in the interest of promoting yeah sure <laughs> promoting dialogue but no I mean it makes sense it's totally reasonable for people to be yeah. able to call someone out if they're if they feel like what they're doing is bad. yeah that's that's fine um, yeah I think the thing about the I think the thing about the toxic productivity stuff and I've talked about this before is that people are people are coming from different starting points you know if you are a if you're someone who produces productivity-related content, you know, just by virtue of that, you probably enjoy producing productivity-related content. And you working 18 hours a day is much more in line with you living your best life, doing what you enjoy and flourishing in your own way compared to someone who is trying to force themselves to work 18 hours a day doing something that doesn't constitute them living their best life and, and flourishing in their own way. And like, you know, this guy who wants to be, you know, what was his name? The guy you mentioned at the start of the podcast? Tom Bilyeu. Tom Bilyeu, yeah. Dude dude probably loves it. Dude's having a blast. Oh, he's yeah, living, having he's, a great time. He's living his best life. <laughs> and the, I, th I think the mistake is to take, you know, interpret things, uh, I guess, at the wrong resolution or whatever, or sort of, you know, you, you could interpret that and think, oh man, this guy's you know, advocating for everyone to, you know, even if you work at some random job that you don't like, he's saying that you should like work really hard during the week and then only chill on the weekends. That's not what he's saying, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so, yeah, my, my issue with the productivity thing is that I think the people on whom it has more of a negative effect, you know, it's, it's because you're trying to apply it to, to something that is to you very different. What the productivity guru is, is the thing is to them. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. But I guess the concern isn't, I guess it's, it's like anything where if you, ha if you have a platform and you're promoting a certain kind of lifestyle, yes, you can say, hey, it's just me. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what I do. Yeah. But if you're like The Rock, for example, and you're saying, I work 18 hours a day, a lot of people are going to be like, look, man, <laughs> this is promoting bad mental health practices amongst, amongst the youth of today. Even if it is just what he does and he just freaking loves going to the gym all the time. But like that nuance is lost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fine. So right now I'm, I'm making a comment on the people who watch these videos and feel bad. 
Mm. Okay. And then there's a separate, and I'm trying to say, this is, this is where they're kind of missing the point and kind of uh, taking things in the wrong way. All right. So that's one thing. And then, yeah, the other thing is, you know, if there are tangible negative effects of what you're doing, then you should probably think about it a bit and, you know, caveat, you know, just caveat things, you know, say at the start of a video, Hey man, I'm Dwayne, I'm Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> and, uh, and this I is do, what I'm I, not saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe there is a, there is a need for some caveating. Hmm. How do we get onto this? Oh, Tom Billy stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. He, he, he had a few other, um, other nuggets that I wrote down. One of them was, I guess kind of like I written down, it sounds a bit weird, but his, he, he apparently often, often asks himself, do I meet the minimum requirements for this, this thing that I'm trying to do? And if I do, then I'm going to act as if I can be literally the best in the world at this thing that I'm trying to do. Um, and so it's, it's, it's sort of like growth mindset, but with a level of realism applied, like, you know, if you're a four foot eight, uh, you probably don't meet the minimum requirements to join the NBA. Therefore, as, like, you know, how, however much you try, you're not going to make it into the NBA. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I thought this was, a, this was interesting. Um, his, for, for his one, it's like, do I meet the minimum requirements? Am, am I at minimum smart enough to potentially be as successful as, as Walt Disney? You're like, oh, I'm not the smartest in the world, but yeah, I think I meet the minimum requirements. Now everything else is skills to be learned on top of that. Yeah. So everything, your skills in managing companies, skills in business, building business community, blah, blah, blah. It's all stuff. Um, once, well, once you've taken that minimum threshold thing, I thought that was interesting because I hadn't come across the minimum threshold um, model before. Yeah, that's the other one was, there was a, a, th- a thing that he said, which is, which is interesting. He was like, um, yes, a, yeah, y- yes, a pig is never going to become a racehorse, but with enough training, it can be a pretty damn fast pig. <laughs> uh, and I really like that one as well. I think that was a nice quippy defense against the, um, I think there's, uh, am- amongst the people who don't kind of live and breathe this sort of personal development stuff, there is a false assumption that, can you still hear me? Yep. Yeah. For example, like the 10,000 hour rule, rule, which is supposed to be for kind of achieving mastery, like world-class mastery in anything where people would kind of dismiss it and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't have the raw talent to be like world-class at this thing. Therefore I'm not going to try. Um, but you can still be kind of top 1% in basically anything, regardless of what the raw talent is. If you just try hard enough at it. Um, so I, I, I like this kind of fast, fast pig versus racehorse kind of metaphor. Hmm. Um, I just, I'm not a huge fan of the framing of any of these things, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's, all, it's got a very kind of competitive kind of framing. Yes. And yeah, I often hear people expressing some kind of sentiment of like, you know, this thing is only worth doing or worth trying at if I can get really, really good at it relative to other people. And I don't want to do things that I, you know, that I won't be really, really good at relative to other people Mm. kind of thing. And yeah, this whole competition thing, man, I really don't know where I stand on competition. I think it's like, also, I think you, I think your camera has gone blank. No, it hasn't. Is it not? Okay. It's just my phone being weird. Sorry. Keep going. What do you mean? You don't know where you stand on this competition thing? Yeah. I think competition is like 90% problematic, but there is some, there is, there's some kind of it that is maybe okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not a fan of competition in general. And I think it's, it's always a bit iffy if someone describes themselves as very competitive. I can't, I, I struggle to think of a, a wholesome way to 
be competitive. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I just think like a, a mindset of competition is, is very, very, very rarely coming from a good place. What do you think? I think it's it's all you know. It's coming from a, a place of like a just like view, viewing your comrades as adversaries of like oh I need to be better than these people or whatever. Um, or it, it could be coming from a place of like you know, I want social validation by external attributes about myself which i think will make people like me more um or it's coming from a place of i will be okay if you know like i i really struggle to imagine competitiveness coming from a good place now i think that the exception is i i i think in the realm of games you know like sports for example i think in a when the, when the setup is deliberately a competition and everyone is opting in to compete with one another for sport, and I'm, I'm using sport in pretty broad terms, then I can maybe get on board with it. And I, I think that that can be done in a way, I and mean, that can be approached in a way that is, uh, that is good. But outside the very, the very narrow confines of literal competitive <laughs> events, <laughs> I think, to ha I think, uh, yeah, just approaching things from a lens of competition and, and sort of being competitive about things. It, it, I, I struggle to see it coming from a good place. Is it? Do you struggle to see it coming from a good place if Jeff Bezos is like, I want Amazon to be the biggest retailer in the world? Yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, goals is another thing. I think we touched on this. Uh, we talked about goals at one point. I can't remember if we had Mac on the podcast for this. Or this was just a conversation I had with Mac. So like Mac, who's been a guest on the podcast a few times, you know, he's really into sort of sports types like cycling, Ironmans, that kind of thing. And a big part of that is, I mean, like he enters competitions for this stuff. And so he has goals like, you know, I want to qualify for whatever tournament this year, that kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Or like, I want to get to a certain position in this tournament or something. Um, and I think, I think if, you know, if Jeff Bezos says, I want Amazon to be the biggest retailer in the world. I think it's a different kind. It's a uh, yeah. It's, it's qualitatively different from, you know, I want, I want to come top of my year in my exams, or you know, I, I want to be better than the Joneses <laughs> at you know what I don't know I don't know what what, what do people compete on these days. I, I want to be better at so and so on the on some musical instrument, or like I want to, yeah, you know, whatever. What if it's I want to be better than Joneses because I want to land that promotion to become partner and there's only one of them going therefore i need to be better than these other five candidates that are applying for the same thing uh yeah sure but that that is a sort of specifically constructed competition that you are in for this one job or, or whatever right like it's uh okay. you know i mean i struggle like what sort of example are you thinking of where there where there's not a specially constructed i mean i want to rank first in the year group because i want the gold medal prize and it, it'll be good for my cv and it'll be fun fun little challenge list for let's give it a go yeah, I mean, look, it comes down to like, why do you want the gold medal prize? Mm. You know, and again, I think in that question, I've, I, th I struggle to imagine it coming from a good place most of the time. What do you mean like a good place? Like, yes, sure. So you're, so you're saying if you want a certain accolade, it ch ch chances are it comes from a place of insecurity where you feel like you're not enough without the accolade. I think there's a good chance of that. Okay. Um... There's a good chance it comes from a sort of yeah, like a zero-sum mindset. Not what do you mean by zero-sum mindset? Sorry? What do you mean by that? Like uh, a mindset of 
you know, one person can only succeed at the cost of someone else like not succeeding or, or whatever right like i just really yeah. struggle to imagine it coming from a good place i mean i think so your broad point is in general competition equals bad because i struggle to see it coming from a good place yeah i think i think uh, a competitive mindset or a mindset of competition is bad most of the time yeah outside the confines of like a an actual competition, competition. <laughs> <laughs> you know and and look it's it's tricky because i do i do think you know pursuing excellence uh you know pursuing ec- excellence in something i think is good it's good it's to be encouraged but it sh- it shouldn't come from a place of i want to pursue excellence in this thing so that i can beat other people in this thing so that other people will like me or think i'm a worthy human being or whatever right it, or, or I, can, I can feel like, you know, I, I think there is a, there is a healthy way to pursue excellence, but I think but that's, pursuing excellence from, from a mindset of competition. I don't know if that, it ain't, it, this ain't it chief. I think your broader beef is with the idea of doing, doing anything or having any sort of mindset. Full stop. Where, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Just any kind of mindset is bad. <laughs> um, any, any kind of mindset where, where there is a level of wanting our internal self-esteem to come from an external factor. So you could say the same thing about what's the real reason why you want to buy an Apple Watch. If the real reason is because you want to signal your identity to yourself and others, that's probably a bit problematic. Um, equally, what's the real reason for taking part in this competition? Is it because you want to signal your status to others in some way by winning? That's probably problematic. I think your beef isn't with the competition. It's with any realm in which... The reason for doing the thing is because you're coming from a place of I will be okay if this if I get this. Yeah, co- yeah, correct. And I think probably like sixty percent of competitive mindsets stem from that. Okay, that's a, a, a hugely arbitrary kind of. <laughs> fine, fifty to seventy. Okay, what, fine. What, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Giving a range. Um, yeah, fine. So, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't like to. I don't like to. Uh, I don't like to opine about other ground, people's yeah. mindsets. Sorry, what? I don't. I don't like to opine about other people's mindsets around Why? certain things. Why? Un, un, unless it's a field in which I have I have in, in, enough data points to have a reasonable read on. Okay, I've spoken to like thirty people about this thing, and like twenty eight of them feel this way about competition. I just don't have that data around the idea of competition. And so I, don't think, think, I don't think this is a problem of data. All right, tell, just provide me a theory or just just like give me one possible yeah some possible explanations for okay winning the winning a competition even if it's not explicitly a competition the the beating of other people in insert domain here leads to better life outcomes for myself okay i think that makes up a huge chunk of the, the things like for example okay dude like but what but, okay be, better better life outcomes for myself could mean a million things like you know, eighty percent. Sorry, seventy to ninety percent of better outcomes for myself are, you know, stem from uh, my peers will think better of me. People will value me more highly. You know, all this kind of stuff. Like, better outcomes for myself is kind of begging the question. I'm trying to okay, get at, like, fine. you know, what what is okay, the better? Will 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 lead to a will 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 be more likely to lead to an increase in my salary. Sorry, will be more likely to lead to an increase in my salary, uh, or will be more likely to lead to an increase in the opportunities that I am afforded will be more likely to lead to an increase in people wanting me as a guest on their podcast. Um, the the example I'm thinking of in my head is this thing about my goal of wanting to hit the New York Times list with 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 this book that I'm writing, okay. which isn't a, which is which is not from a place of 
you know, I will be okay if I hit this goal and without hitting this, I feel like inferior in myself. It's literally that hitting this list will actually be interesting for my life um, because of the opportunities that come that that are associated with that. And in a way, that is an, an arbitrary competition where you have to kind of be in the top 10 uh, nonfiction <laughs> hardback books sold that week. But I'm pretty sure the place it's coming from is not a place of competition. Like I'm not even thinking about the other competitors in the field. What I'm thinking about is but then why do you view this? Why why are you viewing this as an example of me hawking against competition if you don't actually view it as a competition? Because it is a competition. Sorry, because it is a competition. I want to hit the list. Is an implicit implicit like the it's it's a competition. I don't. I, I, certainly, the way you're presenting it is not. It's a competition. For example, you know, suppose that you needed to, you know, get get some minimum grade in your university degree to then like, you know qualify for some job or something it's like i i i wouldn't say that's like a competitive that's really a sort of you don't need a competitive mindset to decide that okay i need to like get this minimum grade to then get this job that, that's kind of how you're presenting this new york Times thing of like oh you know if i want to you know i'm my career is as a creator or whatever you know i make my money going on podcasts and and stuff like this and you know me having extra accolades helps with that like, i i think the book thing is I mean, it's just it's just a weird example. Okay, let me give you another one. In in third year, I decided that I really wanted to try and rank first in the year group when I was doing psychology. I don't think I had a competitive mindset around it. I had more of a mindset of it would be cool to try and go for this gold medal thing, and I know there's a prize associated with it. And I, you know, I I I actually don't care what other people are doing. I'm not trying to beat other people. I'm just trying to get to as close to 100% as possible myself. Like I didn't. It, during during that kind of competition, I, di- I didn't once think, "Oh, I wonder what other people are doing." Other than when I was in the exam hall, and it was like me and me and this other girl <laughs> were the ones who had the most paper written in the exam. We we're like, "Oh, interesting." Um, but again, is 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 that uh, is that like does that not count as competition because I wasn't thinking about the the competitors and instead just thinking, "How can I get as close to one hundred percent as possible?" Um, I don't know, man. You, you tell me. Like, yeah, if what you're saying is true, then you know this doesn't seem sort of uh, like a competitive thing. I also think there's a decent chance you're deceiving yourself about like, Oh no, I just did it for the bands kind of thing. Like, I, I, I don't know if I'll take your word for it, but based on what you're saying, yeah, I don't think it, it doesn't seem like a competition thing. If that's what you're saying. So, so uh, give me an example of, give me an example of yourself or someone that you know, where there is a competitive mindset, which is coming from a bad place. Look, it's hard for me. I think it's it's a stretch for me to specifically say that someone else's competitive mindset is coming from a bad place. The point I'm making is the wider structural issue here, and so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that like oh, my mate Bob, right? He's got a competitive mindset coming from a bad place. I'm not gonna say anything like that. But I certainly know people who strongly dislike losing at anything. Uh, I you know probably doesn't come from a good place. Uh, Mm. certainly know people who you know i think i mean i dislike losing when i'm playing an arena in world of warcraft i think that comes from a particularly bad place <laughs> sorry i dislike losing when i'm in a 2v2 arena match yeah look there's there's different ways of disliking things sure um but again i think i think that's qualitatively different uh yeah i, I think de- definitely people's motivations for things are often in order to beat other people at those things like <laughs> Yeah, I think when I when I was younger in school, like the the desire to rank first in the year every every year was definitely a competitive thing. Where there was definitely a where did that come from? Why did you care about that? 
Um, I think if I were to psychoanalyze my younger self, it was a case of my whole identity being tied up in that and therefore me feeling I will be okay if I, if I yeah, retain I'm, my position. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I deserve my place on this planet if I can. Yes. If I can continue my, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not a particularly good place to. Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Hmm. Um, and yeah, look at university, there were plenty of people who definitely had this sort of competing against other people sort of mindset of like, I mean, very concretely, there are things like, oh, I'm not going to share my notes with people doing the same subjects as me. Um, I, I really can't imagine that coming from a good place. And yeah, the point I was making was that, and actually, yeah, I guess partly why I feel semi-strongly about this is that competitiveness is often presented as like a positive thing. It's like, you know, people take pride in being competitive. You know, I, I, we were talking about like uh, Tinder tropes or, you know, dating app tropes. One dating app tropes, I mean, one, one of the prompts is, is like, I'm overly competitive about X, you know. Um, and one like really common thing that, I, that I've seen people in, write in their profiles is I'm overly competitive about everything. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it's something people take a little bit of pride in. It's, it's seen as like kind of a good thing to be competitive. And that's, that's what I'm trying to push back against. Yeah, fair. I can get on board with that. So, yeah, I really can't see it coming from a good place most of the time. And like, look, it certainly leads to good outcomes. Like if you, you know, if you hear the way a lot of very quote unquote successful people talk about things, there's definitely a large element of having a chip on your shoulder um, early on in life and feeling like you have something to prove. And literally, uh, 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 I can be okay if kind of thing. Like so many people have it and... I think that's that's partly why the competitiveness thing is kind of seen as a good thing because yes like it it does lead to externally better outcomes like if you know if you are a very competitive person you will probably try harder at certain things you will you know you will probably you're you're potentially more likely to you know succeed in in whatever thing you're trying to do because you care about beating the other people and so I think that's why it's it's seen as kind of a positive thing because a lot of the successful people are very competitive and it's probably contributed to their success but my point is, I doubt it comes from a good place. And I'm sure there is a wholesome way to, um, to, get, to get that motivation uh, in, in the, and pursue excellence. Fair play. I can get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's my spiel about competition. Um, I also had a, a thought recently about work. <laughs> I found myself, I think yesterday, yeah, probably like yesterday slash today, feeling a general sense of, of kind of like, oh man, I need to do, I need to like do some work. You know, I have a lot of work to do. I need to do some work. Hmm. Okay. Can you, uh, can do you ever feel that way? Uh, y- yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in what you're about to say, because th- th- this is the sort of stuff I'm into. And in <laughs> well. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> this feeling of I have to do work. Interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. So I felt this feeling of I have to do some work and that sort of, that sort of, uh, sounded the problematic alarm in my head <laughs> basically okay. uh, that sounded the problematic alarm in my head and i mean i, I i've talked i've talked about similar things before where uh i think it's easy to get caught up in the feeling of doing work and the idea of getting work done and not actually achieving the outcomes you care about and so i felt myself thinking oh man i've, oh, I've got so much work to do i need to do like some uh, a lot of work this weekend or whatever and that kind of came with a, a sort of level of 
okay, kind of some sort of negative feelings of like anxiety or whatever that like I have all this work to do. And, and then I thought like, why am I framing it as like, I, I have to do work. And then I, I what I, and, and then I kind of, I thought that, yeah, yeah. Framing it as like work in the abstract, I think is why my problematic alarm bells went off because I think work in the abstract, like thinking about anything as work in the abstract, it's, it's makes stupid. it feel like, less fun. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, there's like so much baggage associated with it that like, yeah, you, if, if you're ever thinking about work in the abstract, you're just screwing yourself, I think. And so then I kind of thought, okay, look, why am I thinking about it as work in the abstract? What do I actually have to get done? And then I thought, oh yeah, I need to finish our sort of revamped marketing sites for Causal this weekend. And then I thought, you know, that's actually really fun. Like that, that is like right on my street. That is my jam, <laughs> you know, like, and, and then when I thought, okay, I need to finish the marketing site this weekend, then it didn't have the feelings of anxiety and like, oh man, I have to work. It had a feeling of like, oh cool. You know, this is like a, this is a thing I'm into, you know, like, why would I feel bad about this? And so I think, yeah, I, th I think the, uh, the insights, if you will, the, uh, the, the concrete takeaway is that thinking about work as an abstract concept and framing anything as work as an abstract uh, in the abstract is a um, it's just is 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 bad. And if you think about what you're actually trying to achieve and what you actually need to do or whatever, then I think your your feelings towards the thing will be very different. Hmm. That's interesting. That's a good insight. What do you reckon? Uh, now tell yeah. me what book you've read this in. No, Tiago Forte came up with this in 2018. <laughs> Wait, I'm actually, I'm actually writing play? about this. This was going to be <laughs> hashtag OC. Wait, what? Uh, this was going to be original content. Uh, so I'm, I've, I've got a chapter in the book around mindset surrounding work, hmm. where about, about this thing of feeling as if we, uh, I mean, the, the, there's a few different things here. It's like, yes, I agree. The, the general abstract notion of work just feels a bit grim. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like, I, I, I often have that like slight surprise when, for example, I'm doing something on the computer at like 11 PM and Sheen asks me, why are you working so late? And the framing mm. of that question always surprises me a little bit because I'm like, oh, am I working? Oh, I guess, I guess this is work. Um, but it's just not how I consider it when I am, when I'm doing it. And equally like this weekend, I, I, I also had, had a thing of, okay, I, I, I need to work on Sunday. And then I like literally in the abstract in, in the abstract. And then okay. literally this morning I had the thought that, no, I shouldn't think of it as work. Like, what do I actually need to do? I need to, oh, well, I want to kind of do a, do another draft of chapter one of the book. And then, and then I'm going to film this video around passive income. Well, that's pretty fun. <laughs> that was like my exact thought process this morning. Oh, um, wow. Nice. <laughs> I think it's, it's sort of like, like w w one thing I often advise students when it comes to, it's like, uh, like I need to study chemistry feels like has a lot, like feels really bad, yeah. but I need to do some questions at the end of chapter one feels like very, very reasonable. It's like w when you actually know what you have to do, like, it's like when, when, when you don't have clarity, clarity is the thing. Anytime there is an item on the, on the to-do list that doesn't have clarity, it yeah. is a total, it, it really, really sucks. <laughs> and this is why no one studies. I'm like, oh, I, oh, oh, I have to study today. It's like, okay, well, if, if you, if you just define what you actually are going to do, it would be a lot more fun. <laughs> so work is kind of, I have to study chemistry, but like one layer abstracted from that, I'd be like, oh, I have to work tonight. Yeah. It yeah. just makes it feel awful. Um, the other, the other thing that, that ties in, the, in with this, which I think about a lot is have to versus get to. Mm. Yeah. 
and I think like when you're like when you think oh I have to work and it's like oh actually I I get to revamp the causal marketing side that's that's kind of fun even yeah, like yeah. I, I I often like deliberately use that shift yeah I, yeah, I even have a post-it on like literally in front of my monitor saying this is going to be fun <laughs> and anytime <laughs> I I just it's it's in, it's like you know it's it's been it's been there for a couple of weeks now but anytime I just I just read that I just think this is going to be fun I'm like, I just like automatically like oh yeah <laughs> I I am actually having a good time. Yeah, this is one of the yeah. things just to rem- remind myself to enjoy the things that I'm doing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think in addition to like the feeling thing, it also, um, you know, if, if you consider what you're doing to be, I don't know, I, I have to study in the abstract or I have to work in the abstract, then your compass will be pointed towards feeling like you're studying in the abstract and feeling like you're working in the abstract. Whereas if the thing in your head is I need to like do X, I need to do this specific thing or I need to like, accomplish this specific thing then your compass will be pointed towards doing that specific thing and I, I feel like you're much less likely to get caught up in the 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 sort of in work theater or study theater, theater of work yeah yep yep yeah i feel like study theater i, I think we i think we've talked about this <laughs> i think study study theater is was a big thing at school and and, and university um i where or i think there was a general sense of oh man, I need to study in the abstract. I mean, in the abstract is like you know, <laughs> like no one's actually thinking that in their head. But how do people start thinking that in their heads? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, how ridiculous this thing is. Yeah, any, anytime you think of the word, think of the idea of work or study in a yeah. in a non-specific <laughs> context, you have you have to add in the, the abstract, abstract yeah. in your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how stupid does that sound oh that's <laughs> Sunday work. night I'm going to work in the abstract tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> I love it yeah. Um, yeah that was my um, that's my productivity advice for the year excellent um, please do keep it coming this is, a, this is a good fodder for the book nice um, cool I think we should wrap things up there because I do actually need to work in the abstract <laughs> <laughs> Great. I need to write my newsletter in the abstract. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I've, 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 I've been slacking on the newsletter front a bit. I just, I just can't be bothered to bring, maintain consistency with it anymore. Really? Yeah. I think the, the issue there is that like all of the, all of the writing that I'm doing is, is for the book these days. And so in a way I don't want to, oh, I, I suppose actually I could just ch- put segments on the newsletter and just see how they, how they land. That would be easy to do. Right, it feels like like for the past few months, it's felt like when I need to do a newsletter issue, it's like, oh, I need to do this extra thing. Mm. And I really don't want to do this extra thing. But the, the only reason I'm doing it is because it's a means to an end of building the list. Um, but if I have a more concrete, I wrote some stuff around chapter one today, chuck it into newsletter format, copy and paste, send it out. Yeah. How people like it. Like, you, you know how I approach this? Like, it's all about repurposing content for different platforms. That's really. Oh, I tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up there. I'll uh, I'll read out a review. <laughs> uh, this is a five star review from Paulie Calzoni in the United States. It's entitled "My Favorite Waste Man Pod." Oh, this is Paul. This is our good friend Paul Millard. Paul oh, says okay. was on the pod once and it was grand. I challenged Ali to take a week off from YouTube, and I think he actually increased his output after our chat. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Now to listen to the pod, Tamor makes me message him every time I hear his voice. <laughs> Quite needy, but worth the price. Good pod. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, thank you, Paul, for the review. Good stuff, Paul. Um, yeah, I think Paul was the first person to suggest that I could take a break from my newsletter. And now I've really, <laughs> I've taken many breaks from my newsletter. <laughs> thank you for that, Paul, if you're listening. Um, the other thing is, I need a brand name for my stationary brand. Do you, what should I call it? Why don't the listeners send in their suggestions? 
Good idea. Guys, I'm making a stationary brand and I want it to sound cool. If you have any thoughts, email them or tweet them or comment under this YouTube video. I, I actually have like thousands of, of suggestions because I, I posted on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube community posts. So I literally have thousands, thousands to choose from. One that I particularly like is, is Vitals. I think Vitals is a nice name. Yeah, that's cool. Problem with Vitals is it, it, it kind of takes itself quite seriously, but you know, it, it, it sort of works on those two levels. <laughs> um, being like the Vitals notebook, Vitals pen, Vitals post-it note, that, that kind of thing. I'm sure we can do like a cool a cool logo around that, maybe with a sort of a, a nod to the medicine thing. Um, I've been thinking about like waste man or something, but like that's I think that's trying too hard to be funny. Yeah. So all right, see. good stuff. Well, thank you all for listening, and see you next week. See you next week. Goodbye. that's it for this week thank you for listening if you like this episode please leave us a review on apple podcasts or on the apple podcast website if you're not using an iphone there's a link in the show notes if you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum question or just anything that we could discuss yeah if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. if you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly that's fine as well tweet or or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.